The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back answering your Lions questions live here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. You can also catch us, obviously, on the podcast feeds, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer slash beat writer for prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter with me, also Lions beat writer, also managing editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Buddy, how are we doing this fine Wednesday morning? It's a uh, it's it's busy time of the year. Uh, end of school training uh, or uh, OTAs are, are kicking around right now. And so yeah, lots going on. Yeah, it's kind of a, a last hurrah of Lions news uh, coming for the next couple of weeks here. And then obviously a a void in which we can all catch our breath a little bit and maybe enjoy some nice weather out there. But a lot to talk about this week, a lot of talk about, a lot of questions we got. So we are going to do that. As always, if you want to send us questions, head to Twitter uh, at Pride of Detroit, throw in an Ask POD, a hashtag Ask POD if if you wish, but we usually put out a call on Wednesday mornings. So first question here comes from between the numbers at between underscore the numbers asks, which former mid-round pick has the best chance to being an impact player in 2023 uh, slash which one would you like to see uh, the jump the most? And this is between three people, Fatou Melifanu, Derek Barnes, James Mitchell. That's tough because they're all third or fourth in the pecking order at their positions, right? right? Um, At best, if he is like pure safety three, but you've got two safety hybrids in at nickel. So that might make him like safety five right. at that right now, uh, or maybe safety four. I mean, depending on how you want to cut it, Barnes looks very much off the ball linebacker four. I'm uh, yeah. Off the ball linebacker four and Mitchell is fighting for that tight end three, tight end four spot. Um, yeah. I think Mitchell is still ascending, right? Sure. And I don't think we've really seen the best of him. Uh, Barnes has a lot of potential and a lot of athleticism. So there's, you know, maybe we haven't seen the best of him, but I think a path to snaps is a little bit harder for him and Iffy. Yeah. So is it is it strange to say that even though James Mitchell might be target eight or nine on offense, <laughs> he still might have the highest upside because like yeah. this offense is going to spread it around, right? Yeah. Um 
James Mitchell caught the winning touchdown in uh, the Packers game week nine. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that's the type of impact that you can have even as a re- offensive positional reserve, you know, as a skill player, you can still be the hero any given week. Uh, look at Brock, Wright. You know what I mean? Yeah. James Mitchell could do that same thing, catch it and then turn it and go. So, you know, again, like he did against the Jets. Uh, so I would, I'm going to go with Mitchell just because I think the offense is ahead and there's opportunity among skill players. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about James Mitchell. Obviously, you know, if, if you had Sam Laporta, the Lions wanted to upgrade that position, or at least they saw the opportunity to upgrade that position. It's not great news for James Mitchell because yeah, he does fall down to tight end three immediately at best. Sure. Because yeah, I think this team does like Brock Wright quite a bit and Brock Wright brings a little bit more flexibility as a two-way player. Not saying James Mitchell can't develop into that player, but I don't think he's there now. Um, obviously, coming off the ACL, um, we, we heard um, the new tight ends coach talk about how much of a difference year two after that makes. Uh, so he, he there is a lot of potential unlocked uh, skill set there. Uh, the question is opportunity. And right. the, the lines aren't going to be afraid to go three, ten, three tight end sets. They, they they did it plenty last year, probably more so than most teams. And I think they'll continue to do that, even with maybe, you know, a, an improved receiving core when it comes to the running backs and 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 even the, the wide receiving core once Jameson is back. But I think I think that's probably the right answer. But I do want to make at least a little bit of a case for Derek Barnes. And um, we talked a, a lot about Derek Barnes on the POD cast last night, um, mostly because he, he was repping with the first team. And, sure. and th- that's not <clears throat> to say he's going to be with the first team. He's not going to be a starter. I think we can all probably agree that's going to be Jack Campbell and it's going to be Alex Anzalone. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason why Derek Barnes was there with the first team is because they wanted to give Jack Campbell Mike reps. And oh, yeah. they're not ready to do that with the first team. They're going to make him earn it. Like they make every rookie earn first team reps. So they wanted him to rep the mic once he is ready. I know you, you're a strong believer that he immediately jumps into the mic position with the first team. I'm yes. still a little bit weary on that, but I, I do. I mean, that is clearly where, where he will land eventually, whether it's this year, next year, middle of the season, whatever. Um, but Derek Barnes repping over Malcolm Rodriguez is notable. Is it not? It's a seniority. Uh, could be a seniority thing too. You know, sure. yeah, he does have uh, two years of uh, scheme experience, but it is, it's worth taking note of. Yeah. At the same time, it could be a whole different story uh, at OTAs this week. Very true. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I guess my, my point there is, especially when I was talking to Alex Anzalone about this, like he looked, he basically said like, this is a completely different looking guy from, from yeah. when he came in. And that makes sense, right? He's an off, he's an off ball linebacker. Now he's an, he's an interior yeah. linebacker now, whereas he was an edge guy, a pass rusher, and he he's developed a mentality. And, and it's not unheard of to say that instead of that year one to year two jump, he's instead making a year two to year three jump. Yeah, I mean, and he's only played off ball for three years. Right. So, like, I mean, that alone, uh, his when he eats that learning curve up, it's very like you know, it's, it's very possible for him to ascend up the the depth chart very quickly. Um, I guess the thing is, is we just need to see it right, right. Uh, beyond one practice, and, yeah. and so um, I, I, it's a fair argument. Um, We'll I'm see. just not very I'm I, I think it's between those two because I'm just and you know this I'm I'm not that high and iffy. I think I think there's certainly Yeah, he's chance. your uh he's your Amani Owari now. Well, 
one for one. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I think there's a chance he doesn't make the roster because of all the secondary additions, because mm. he doesn't seem to have found a spot, whether it's corner, whether right. it's safety, whether it's even special teams where he belongs, where he can contribute, where he can be effective. I know, you know, we, we saw a little bit of flashes when he had to kind of fit in there due to injury la- late last year, but um, you know, he, he wasn't good in that Panthers game. And, and I know he bounced back a little bit after that. I'm just, I'm concerned for him because I just, I don't see yeah. a clear pathway where he is going to warrant a roster spot. As simple well, as that. Yeah. He was only healthy, like three games, right? Yeah. First game was True. the Panthers game and he was a disaster. Second yep. game was the bears game. He looked better on defense. Third game was the Packers game in week 18. He looked good on special teams there. He made a couple of special teams tackles um, in that game. I I just don't know. Like he's got to beat out Sabian Smith. Right. I mean, that's kind of what it looks like at this point. And and maybe Brady Breeze is going to make his way into the conversation again, like he seems to do in training camp uh, each each year. Yeah. Um, But uh, it's to beat Savion and to beat Breeze, you're going to have to win on special teams. And so that's that's where I'm I'm going to be keeping my eye on him the most. Yep. All right, next question here from Jason Krolik on Twitter. Uh, it's Krolik <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, asks, who has more receiving yards in 2023, Jameer Gibbs or all of the tight ends combined? Oh, boy. <laughs> if they didn't have Laporta, I would I might be leaning Gibbs. Yeah. Um, but I do think Laporta can eat up a chunk. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm going to say all of the tight ends. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm, I'm glad you, you brought Laporta into the discussion because that's kind of where I wanted to take this. I, I know, uh, I think Burkett put out an article today claiming why he thinks Sam Laporta may break that trend of modest rookie season for tight ends. Oh, sure. He, he sure, thinks he sure. might be a little bit more <clears throat> than that because, it, I mean, history is of itself. And I think he pointed out in the past, like, 15 years, there's only been one tight end ever. Uh, I guess over the past 15 years, not ever, um, who's broken 800 yards in his rookie season. Right. And that yeah, was it's rare. Yeah, that was Kyle Hell, Pitts, right? Who you can oh, barely okay. even, you can barely even describe as a, a tight end at this point. And right. you could probably say the same about Sam Laporta. Like, I don't know how much inline stuff he's going to be doing. Maybe more, probably more than than Pitts did. Um, but like his argument was basically you know, like he's stepping into an elite offense already. Sure. He's, he, he he's stepping into a coaching staff who has tight ends written all over them. The head coach is a tight end. The offensive coordinator is a former tight ends coach. Uh, the tight end is a former NFL. Like they know how to utilize a tight end. Um, and, and I think Laporta, especially, you know, with Jamison, maybe missing the first six games, maybe that get, increases his workload right away. Um, so I, I think all is to say, I think I'm with you um, that I do think that the, I, I think it is going to be close though. Cause I, listen, I, I am not thinking that Jameer Gibbs is going to be a 40 catch guy this season. I think he's going to be yeah. closer to an 80 catch guy like that, that. And, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be, you know, 10 yards of pop. He's not going to have like 800, 900 yards necessarily, but the 600, 700 mark, I think is very much within his reach. And I don't know, like I'm not expecting that many receiving yards from the rest of the the tight ends crew. Like, Brock Wright isn't going to catch 400 yards. James Mitchell, we just but, talked about, maybe he yeah. could add 200, 300 or so, but I don't know. It, I, th- I think it will be close. 
Um, with Laporta, I mean, we continue to find little nuggets under rocks about other, how, how much other teams valued him, right? right. Um, we wrote the article about the Bengals having him as a priority for them. He was their top, one of their top guys. Yeah, too. Uh, he was a guy they wanted. Um, and then I sent you a thing yesterday about Dallas. Dallas yeah. almost took him at 25. Yeah. And uh, they were, they had him as tight end one on their board, uh, according to what was it, the Dallas, uh, I forget which Dallas paper it was. Dallas, maybe, I don't know. Um, it was, yeah. Um, so, it was a rep, it was a reputable enough paper that I remember it. So um <laughs> Dell's morning news. There you go. Um so I I do think maybe we're you know, we went into this like idea thinking you know, Sam Laporta was this he was a nice upgrade. Yeah. But then it's like, hey, since he had him as a top two guy, hey, Dallas had him as number one. Hey, he kind of beat up Jack Campbell in uh, in rookie minicamp. And, you know, he looks more ready than I think what we would what we were expecting. And that's what they're preaching too. like yeah. the, the Lions coaches are all saying, like, we got him because he's ready to go. And if he is, if he is ready to go, and this is an explosive offense, and he's already doing things that he maybe, you know, we didn't expect him to do, I wonder if we're sleeping on him a little bit. And maybe he is this guy that, you know, does kind of beat the rookie curve at tight end. You have, I'm, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here. Sutton over under. Yeah. For yards in his rookie season. I'll just, I'll, I'll put it right on the 800. I'll, I'll okay. go to one. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Just to get it that in that over. Like I think he could do a like 45 catches for like 800 yards. Like I think that's in his that's realm. Pretty high yards per catch too. I'll take Okay, that. well, <laughs> so it's like 17 catches. 18 yards. You know what I mean like but I <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's in that range where I think he could do it because yeah. here's the deal. They're going to be without JMO. Yeah. At the beginning. And yeah. that's and we can't discount the fact that there are going to be opportunities early. Yeah. And if teams haven't adjusted to him and they're focused on the running game and they're focused on Amon Ra, could be a chance for the rookie to really take off in the first six games. It's fair. All right. Next question here comes from Brendan at Brendan999T on Twitter. Asks, given the roster moves and new personnel, are there any schematic changes you would like to see made from what we saw at the end of last season? And I like this question because Dan Campbell teased a little bit of that, right? He teased <laughs> a lot of versatility and yeah. scheme on both sides of the ball. You know, obviously the, the Lions have a lot of offensive skill players so that they can mix and match personnel quite a bit on that side. And now with all these secondary additions, they can mix and match things there. And, and we've already talked about all the versatility they have on the defensive front. So with all this new influx of talent, what what are you hoping to see? Yeah, I, I'm hoping to see constant uh, aggressiveness and constant like uh, differentiating, differentiating uh, scheme approaches, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't want the the lines always run it on third down at the beginning of the first, in the first quarter and in the third quarter, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. want them to have variants to, to their play calling. But I also, as we've been saying, this off season was it, 
it probably wasn't by design, but it ends up ends up being that they can really go almost any way they want to on offense or defense and can match up with a ton of different guys. So everyone wants to talk about two, two, two running backs on the field, right? Everyone wants to talk about that because everybody loves it. And, and so do they have that in their wheelhouse? A hundred percent. It's available to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the concept of utilizing six offensive linemen, if, if they want to punish people and just like saying, Hey, Bowling we're going to, we're, we're going to run it. We're going to run a bowling ball at you right behind these six big hog mollies and see what you can do. <laughs> um, like the idea of, of running like a Glasgow, uh, you know, Jackson rag now, or I'm sorry, Decker Glasgow rag now, then like Glasgow Vitae and then Sewell and just, and just running. Right. Yeah. Great. Beautiful. And then run two, two, two back sets out of that. Have fun. Like, cause you, you play action, right. And flare Gibbs out to the left. You run one guy deep and then, um, you know, you throw the port in there and, and, uh, and, and, uh, I'm on rod. You just, sure. you kind of let them start having fun. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the two back sets are really the one that everyone, that's the answer everyone wants to say, but you you just love just, jumbo sets. You you want all the big guys. Out oh there. oh, I the jumbo set opportunities are, are I'm really excited <laughs> about. Um, man, me, it would just go ahead. Yes, please. I was gonna say. Let me. I, I want to add one thing to the offense, and then I want to talk a little defense too. Here, um, listen. You've got you've got a a weapon that you've yet to unleash in in the first two years you've been here. Who just lost twelve percent of his body fat. <laughs> give me give me a Lee McNeil in the backfield. Why haven't yeah. we done this yet? He is a former running back. Please. Yeah. I just want one carry. Just one goal line carry of twinkle right. toes back there. I, I, I'll give you another one. I'll give you one that we <laughs> haven't seen in Detroit in a really long time, but it's in his wheelhouse. Um Dave Montgomery is Wildcat. Like he oh, can do yeah. that. He, ooh, He's that done is, that. You're I like where you're thinking. I, wildcat is definitely on the table, I think. Because you can wildcat. Look, put Montgomery at the wildcat, put St. Brown on his right and Gibbs on his left. I mean, you could put you could put Laporta and Gibbs back there, too. You could you can put Laporta. I say put Laporta under center on fourth and one and you push him like he's Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Like, like. I would. Yeah. Ben is so creative. I'm not going to put anything past him. If you can think, if he can think it, they'll do it. Absolutely. Um, defensively, though, I, I, I'm curious if this team is going to turn into more of an attacking front again, because that was something that they really, really wanted to do last year. And oh, they had defense? to scale back. Yeah. Yeah, on defense, and they they yeah, yeah. became more of a two gapping defense, and I don't think that's where they want to be. I think they want to be more of an attacking defense, and we've already kind of heard them creeping that language back in through through some of the players saying like, we, we want to be aggressive. We want to be attacking. I'm curious if they go back to that now that everyone on that defensive front is healthy. Now that they have mm. so many players that, that, that have that inside outside versatility. Now that they have a better second level of defenders with, with Jack Campbell. And maybe now that they have a little bit more confidence in their secondary, maybe they have more time to, to hold up there. So to me, that's, that's the one thing I'm looking out for because I, again, I, I do think that's where they want to be defensively and they just didn't have the personnel or the, the you know the the right veteran presence that maybe they hmm. do now at the same time 
if I don't expect them to move away from the two gaps because of the off ball guys that they added, mm-hmm. a lot of them are downhill. Come get you guys. Yes. Like Jack Campbell, like, like Brian branch, right? Like bringing branch off the edge yeah. is something that we don't talk about. I think enough because like that kind of hybrid linebacker DB that he can be. And it's, it's, it's a luxury like this. I, I'm, I'm so excited for Branch. I really am. And it may take a year before we can really see what he can do, like full but, out. But that but role like, that you just outlined, like we heard from Aaron Glenn saying, I don't know what his role is going to be. It might not be a starter, but he's mm. going to have a role this year. Yeah. That could yeah, be it. 100%. Like just a third down guy that is going to be on that edge that is either going to blitz or cover those those guys in the slot. I I I hope he I'm so excited for where he can go. Yeah. Because I have been begging for this kind of hybrid type player that can do so, so many things to help your defense stay multiple for for years. I mean like pre-Patricia years. Sure. We've been like I've been like they're they're almost there but I don't know if they're quite solid enough to be able to add a hybrid player that they can utilize they're at that point now. Yeah. Like they're at the point where they have, they're solid enough up front. They're solid enough with their, in their two deep rotation across the board that they can have a guy that can be this multifaceted player that you can use in different spots and they can actually utilize him because they have depth at other and, and, and stability at other spots. And I, oh, I've been waiting for this for, for so long. So long. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're still three months away from the regular season, so you're going to have to wait oh, a little bit longer. But oh, I, our I audience is also going to have to wait a little bit longer because we're about to take a break. When we come back, we are going to answer more of your Detroit Lions questions here on the Midweek Mailbag. We'll be right back. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on, if not first bite, our midweek mailbag. First bite <laughs> comes a little bit later in the week. We'll be talking well, about you know, Roger Martin. I guessed, I guessed on that show too. So That's, now, uh, yeah. you know. you're, you're just you're you're gonna take over this entire podcast network at some point, I guess. <laughs> uh, but no, we are here answering your questions here live on Twitch.tv/slash Pride of Detroit. I always urge our podcast listeners to come on over to Twitch because we do quite 
a bit of work behind the scenes for a live audience where we answer a bunch of those questions that never make the podcast. So if you have burning questions, make sure you show up. We usually do this between, I would say between 11 and 1 p.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m. on uh, Wednesday morning slash afternoons. But let's get back to it. One of the questions from our live audience was so good, I wanted to bring it to the podcast. And that comes from DC Smithers, who asks, national media seem to think that uh, Emmanuel Mosley, when healthy, is cornerback one, while beat writers lean towards Cameron Sutton. What do you guys think? Oh, I think it's Cam. I think the money even says it's Cam, right? Sure. Um, I think Mosley played well in in San Fran, but his, and while his uh, career arc was definitely trending up, uh, I think Mosley's history and his productivity over several years, uh, and then you look at the, it's what led to that paycheck, right? Yeah. And he got a, he got more money than what he was expecting to get on the market because. Uh, he's, while he's not the most athletic, he's super intelligent and he can do a lot of, uh, the things that this regime likes. And so, yeah, I definitely think that they are looking at him as their top guy. Now, that being said, this regime also plays, uh, a bit of matchup, right? Well, where they're not always going to take wide receiver one and put their version of cornerback one on that guy. Like they're going to they're going to find ways to scheme other options options open. So they're not always like trying to like put, you know, the top guy in the depth chart against the top guy. They're always looking for what's advantageous for their team. So, but in the lion's eyes, I do think Sutton is the guy that they think is uh, the top guy for sure. Yeah. And, and I think people, you're, you're kind of leaning into this um, might need to kind of step back from CB one, CB two designations. They might not mean yeah. that much to the lines in the past. This regime has really kept more to one side versus the other side, right? One guy on the right. left, one guy on the right. They don't follow, which means there really isn't an important designation between CB one and CB two. Um, I, I don't imagine they're, they're going to be as strict about that now because they, they have a more talented squad because they have more mm. guys that are, position versatile, whether being an outside or inside corner. I will say, though, that I think Emmanuel Mosley has a higher ceiling than Cameron Sutton. I think the way well, his, his career trajectory <clears throat> was going, sure, he could be that guy. And part of the reason he wasn't given the contract that Cameron Sutton was is the injury concern, right? Is the coming off the yeah, ACL. Certainly. We, we certainly don't know. We were just talking about it off air. Like that first year after an ACL, you might not be feeling at 100%. Even if you're physically okay, even if you're cleared to play, it might take longer than that, sometimes even a full year longer than that to really feel yourself. So I'm with you that this year, especially in week one, we're talking Cam Sutton is your number one. And and again, right. that designation might not really mean that much when it comes to how they utilize him, but he is very much considered, I think, a, a leader, considered right. a a a good enough player to go up against some wide receiver ones. Is he a lockdown corner? Probably not, but that's where I think Emmanuel Mosley has a shot to be. I think he could be with the the way his career trajectory was going. Like, I think some people are still understating just how good he was becoming in San Francisco before the injury hit. If he can kind mm -hmm. of get back on that trajectory after the injury, I think shutdown corner is, is where his ceiling is, where I think Cam Sutton is probably already close to that ceiling, which I think is, Pretty good number one corner. Yeah, and I, I do think uh, the 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 
word I was going to come back to here that you, you hit on was was leadership, right? And yep. I think when it comes to leadership, he's the guy that he's one of a couple of guys that they're really going to like lean on. And that's important sure. for this coaching staff. That's important for this organization as a whole. And so I I do agree. I the the blending of like hierarchy is kind of going away. Yeah. And the utilization of players one, two, even three on the depth chart is becoming more common. And, uh, but you know, I, I expect Sutton to be the guy that they turn to when, uh, when they, when, when the game, if the game's like on the line and you need somebody, right. they're going to turn to the guy that, you know, that is being labeled as the smartest guy in the field. hundred percent. All right. Next question here uh, comes from Twitter, the Fox magnet or, as they they call themselves, all lions go to heaven, asks, with both coordinators garnering head coach interest, which internal coaches could be the favorites to fill AG and Ben Johnson's hole uh, should they leave next year? Could more responsibility this year be a sign of a plan, of this plan? Well, it's kind of weird to say, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, because we don't know, like, a ton about Scotty Montgomery, mm-hmm. but he's an assistant head coach. Uh, he's interviewed for offensive coordinator jobs before. Back to back years. And he was a guy who was in the conversation with the Lions to get the job that Ben Johnson got. So we know that the Lions have yeah. looked at him as a potential OC. Right, exactly. So if Ben Johnson is gone, you have to think that Scotty Montgomery is 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 the leading candidate. Yeah. Um, do you have a different name on offense or you agree with that one? I think I do. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, um, before, like going into this year, if, if they lost Ben Johnson, um, why can't I think of the tight end coach's name? Well, Tanner Ingstring, Tanner Ingstring was former tight end, but now passing game coordinator. That's right. I, th- I think yeah. that, I mean, that's listen, Scotty Montgomery, I think has to prove himself this year. Right. I don't think they're going to throw sure. it like. He has to show that he fits what the lines are trying to do and understands what they're trying to do. And so I think this is kind of a trial run for him, not saying that he's sure. going to have offensive coordinator duties or anything like like that. But he obviously has to prove that he fits in with what the lines do. And the lines seem to know pretty quickly whether you're a mm-hmm. fit or not, because they've disposed of a couple coaches who weren't fits. And it's not, you know, a, a mark like with Anthony Lynn and uh, and and gosh, I'm forgetting everyone's name today. Expensive backs coach, former Aubrey Pleasant. Uh, Aubrey Pleasant. Like, I don't think Dan Campbell thinks either of those guys are bad coaches, but they just didn't fit here. And so Scotty Montgomery is a guy who comes with a lot of, of hail. Like people think he's a very he, good he has a resume. coach. He's got he has a, a big good resume, resume but he yeah. still has to prove he fits here. So like, sure. we're not immediately slotting him into the offensive coordinator position yet, but as long as I think, I think, you know, as long as he proves that, Things are humming along that he fits along with this culture, with his coaching staff. He's got to be the leader in the clubhouse. I would say Tanner Angstrom is probably second. Defensively. Yeah, I think defensively it's much harder because um, you've got a lot of young coaches. Um, even if they're they've their names that have been around, like Dre Bly's been around for a while, like Sean Dion Hanson. He's, he's he's we've known his name for a while, but they're they're really young in their professional like coaching career. Right. Uh on the flip side, John Fox is at the end of his coaching career. Right. So you don't you wouldn't think that like those more prominent names are guys that would be there, which 
And so when you look at like who has the right personality and who's a guy that they seem to lean on and who's the guy that they trust in, and, and that's your guy. It's uh, it's Shep, right? It's Kelvin yep. Shepard who seems to probably be the leader there. The only guy that I would like say if he's going to have a little bit of competition, um, maybe like and people are not even going to know who I'm talking about, but David Carraro, mm-hmm. um, the, the, uh, he's a li- outside linebackers coach. He's been in so many different phases through multiple different regimes of how to run a defense going back. He's been with the organization. I, I don't, I don't know if it's been a decade, but it's, it feels like it. Um, he's done a lot of different things. And if you recall back in the COVID days, when like everybody got COVID, uh, the coaching staff got COVID. He was the guy who they called to run the defense of that game. That's right. right. Yeah. That? Um, so like, he's, he's a guy that like really nobody really talks about and he's, and he's, he's always, a lot of his history is behind the scenes. Uh, but he's a guy, I think that's got some interesting experience. I think Duker's still young. Uh, he could maybe, you could maybe put his name in there, but it, it sure seems like Shep is the guy that's, you know, very far ahead of everyone else uh, in what would in, in the hierarchy. Yeah, I think I think losing Todd Wash was kind of losing the one veteran guy that had sure. defensive coordinator experience that could have, you know, in a pinch stepped in for whatever reason. If, if they ran into mm-hmm. another crazy COVID week where y- you lose half your defensive coaching staff, he would be the guy to step in. Um, right. And and could be that future guy to to regain that spot, but you know he chose to to move closer to family, which is totally understandable. And so yeah, it, it's there. There's very much not a clear path, I think, right now to who is the successor uh, at the at the defensive coordinator position. So you know maybe we right. maybe we need a a four seasoned HBO series to figure out who's going to be the <laughs> successor. What's funny is like Pleasant we thought was on that. Yeah, as yes. well, right? Yeah. And and like, and I still think Pleasant's a very good coach, but yeah. the fit wasn't working for whatever reason. And so, um, I, I mean, do do you think, I think Duke, Duker is at all in the conversation? He's been here a nah, little bit now, and he he's got history. Uh, you know, he's been he was with Baltimore for a while right. too, right? So he's he's there's there's background there. Yeah. Um, but I really think. Man, this would be his Shep's third year. He's gotten better as a coach. Uh, He's just got that factor, man. Like I know he right. And when you listen to him talk, like you, you, you know, you you can feel he's he, he, the the situation would not be too big for him. Yeah, is I think that's you know, what it comes it. down to. That's a great way to put it. Uh, all right, last two questions here, and we are moving a little bit outside of the Detroit Lions. And taking a wider scope at the NFC North. Oh no! Let's start with uh, another question <laughs> from our, our good friend Jason Krolik, who asked, "Who will have the better season, Justin Fields or Jordan Love?" Um. Well, I mean, there's a caveat to that. What are you, you don't talking? Give like, either of them credit. Well, I mean, I I don't. It's fine. I I I, I get it. Um. <laughs> um. I mean, they're they're very stylistically different quarterbacks, sure. of though, course, right? And yes. so, like, is a good season how many how many wins you lead your team to? Even though quarterback wins isn't a thing, like, but like how you lead your team to sure. the next step. Yep. Is it 
And it doesn't even have to be wins. It could just be, are you elevating your team to the next step? Are you making the players, all their players around you better? Um, Or is it passing statistics, rushing statistics, collective statistics? Like, so you got to factor all these things into trying to do a comparison of the two. I would say, I think Justin Fields is the better quarterback, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he has the, uh, the bodies around him to have as good of a season as Jordan Love could. I think Jordan Love goes into a situation where they already have a lot of weapons. They have a, a more stable team. They have a better defense. And so it's very set up for Jordan Love to have a mediocre season and lead the pack to a mediocre sub 500 record. Uh, <laughs> whereas the Bears, um, he could, Justin Fields could play out of his mind and they could still win four games. So, um, like even though he could have what we look at as the better season, so yeah. I, it's a tough question. Um, I w- I think in traditional terms, I'm going to lean love, yeah. just because I think he's better set up for it. Yes. Even though I think Fields is the better talent, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, offensive line too, right? Like the Packers yeah. have a much better offensive line, um, even though the Bears got your guy. Um, mm-hmm. But. I, I, I will say I, I do think Lions fan, and I'm not I'm not saying this is true of you because you did say Justin Fields is, is probably the more talented quarterback. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Justin Fields a little bit too much or dismissing him because he mm-hmm. hasn't been a successful passing quarterback yet. Sure. I think he has that capability. And I think what Detroit fans need to realize is that they're giving a lot of them are giving Jared Goff a pass for his year one in Detroit because he had a horrible supporting cast right like they they did not yeah. have a number one or a number two receiver on the roster in year one well guess what the chicago bears are a team <laughs> without a starting one well, or two quarterback for the first two now, years of his career now yes, it's different okay, good. now it's, yeah. that's what i'm saying is now he's got a little bit better like darnell mooney is darnell mooney still with them i think he is right and, mm-hmm. and obviously dj moore like you have a little bit more of a supporting cast now you've at least added a piece or two to the offensive line. He's got a better shot now, I think to take a jump. I'm not saying he's going to like some bears fans think that he's the best quarterback in the division. Some bears fans think he's going to lead a, a number one offense or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but in terms of a passer, I think he is now very much set up to take a jump this year, but he doesn't have the supporting cast that just that the Jordan love does. And so I think I'm with you in terms of if you want to compare most overall stats, I think Jordan Love is better set up to have a better season. But Justin Fields is a more talented quarterback, and I think you're going to see at least a little bit of a jump in his passing stats this year. I would right. hope so, because I, I they were terrible. They, they were not good last year, yes. right? Like, I mean, he played in 15 games. He did crack the 60 per, over, got over 60% on his completion percentage. <laughs> nice. Good for him. Um, his his uh, yards per attempt got to seven point one. That's nice. That's Good actually a there. decent number. Seven point one's not bad. Uh, for example, last year Kirk Cousins' yards per attempt were seven point one as well. Seven point six is for his career. Uh, Jordan loves seven point three for his career. Uh, Jared Goff is seven point four for his career. Seven point six last year. So it's not terrible. Um. Okay. Yeah, you know, I ish. 2200 passing yards is not great for 15 games. No, but again, you know, supporting cast, man. That, that dude has an arm. That's all I'm saying. He has a very talented arm, and 
it's not the most accurate, but it's not nearly as inaccurate as I think some people are giving it credit for. I think no, you I, know the completion percentage can be a little misleading. That's all I'm saying. Sure. I I think the thing that I always fall back on when I start, you know, getting of the mindset that Justin Fields is as bad as the rest of his team is uh, the national championship game that he played when he was at Ohio state and, and the guts and the, and, and the, you know, the play through the injury. And he just, he was what he did then in that game, I think showed a lot of character and shows me what he's capable of. Um, and that's, that's a, that could be a, a scary guy. The, the, the nice thing is, is that the rest of the team is terrible. And so, um, <laughs> You know, you maybe hopefully he'll never reach his full potential. Maybe he'll get to twenty five hundred yards passing this year. That'd be awesome for him. I'd be happy. Um, well, that leads us nicely to our final question here, which is just going to be about the Chicago Bears here. Uh, oh, in oh, Toledo, is, our, our friend is this Ryan Matthew podcast? Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> uh, asked why do some pundits and even a member of POD who goes unnamed here <laughs> think the Bears oh, will be quote unquote good? They got better, but Vegas still has them as a bottom 10 team in wins. I think they're improved, but jump, but the jump for fields and the production from more they need for the playoffs is a lot. So, yeah, I, I guess. Do you think this is a bottom 10 team in the NFL or do you think there is a possibility that they maybe jump into the wild card discussion this year? I think they're a bottom 10 team. OK, I, I think. Uh, they had the most capital. Yep. Uh, in the offseason. And so they made some big splashes to add some talent and uh, they, they added some draft guys that were good um, at the same. And they still have a bunch of draft. They still have a bunch of capital right now to play with. You only get into that spot if the rest of your team is just terrible. And so, yes, they've got sprinkles of good players, but I'm not buying into the team as a whole being able to be consistent and uh, I don't care how many $80 million linebackers you add to that defense. <laughs> that defense was still kind of rough. That defense was still rough. And so uh, I'm not buying them as a potential contender right now. Um, could they get there? Sure. They have the money. They have the money. They have the draft stuff. If they, you know, if they're a bottom 10 team and they have another top 10 pick again, like they're going to be in a good spot to get better again. Um, but they very much are in the early rebuilding stages in my yeah. mind. Like I, I still think they're almost like year one of the, of where the lions are, even though they've been, because they, it's, they almost had to take a step back in my opinion. And so I don't know if they're going to be better than they were last year. I, I think they could be kind of the 2022 Detroit Lions in a way. I think, I think, I think that's probably their their ceiling, right? Because the one thing that that they have that could be the game changer is is having that quarterback on a rookie deal, right? Is having that guy who who could be I, I don't think he'll get there this year, but could be a top 10 quarterback. The problem is they are bad on the trenches. Real bad. Like they mm -hmm. are awful on the trenches. And that, I think maybe this is a hot take. I don't actually think it is. I think the Lions have four edge players that are better than any Bears edge defenders. They have no one. No one. Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Harris, 
Romeo Quara, James Houston, all of them would start for the Chicago Bears. All freaking four of them would start. And they didn't they didn't add anyone there. They added a couple interior guys, but in in like day two, they are right bad. Right now, the Bears just without naming names, the Bears projected defensive line is fifth round pick, undrafted, undrafted, undrafted. Yeah. Like that's the, and then their backups after that get a little rookies. bit better. Right, they're rookies with, with, with rookies, two like, rookies. Yeah, another undrafted player and another fifth round pick. Like that's their two deep on the defensive line right now. Their their so, offensive line is is getting there but still has a very long way to go. And Darnell Wright obviously is going to help out that group, but they're even you know, left left tackle Braxton Jones. I don't know. I don't know where he's at, man. I know. I mean, he's, we're talking about a 2022 fifth round pick. That's, that's a lot to ask of a, of a fifth round pick. So that's, that's to me where this team is going to fail. You, you, You spend a ton of money on off ball linebacker. I don't know if that's going to help stop the run, which is something they couldn't do last year. And if you can't stop the run, that's going to keep, your your quote unquote explosive offensive weapon in Justin Fields on the sideline for for quite some time, and so it's going to be another year, I think, of a, of a of a Bears team that is going to have to win some shootouts, which is where, the, like I said, that's where the Lions were last year, and they're going to have to take that offensive jump that the Lions did last year to remain competitive in this league, and I don't know if they're capable of that yet because we don't know what Justin Fields is like with a supporting cast, so. I don't think they're great. I think I think their absolute ceiling well, is is a wild card contender. But and, and I've said this before. I think like I think they're just they're wide. Their range of outcomes is very wide. They could be a four win team. They could be a nine win team. I don't know where that lands. They kind of they kind of remind me of when you're building a team like in in a video game, and you're like, let's just add these all these skill players. And then you're like, why don't I have time to get the ball to all my skill players? I have right. such good skill players. Right. Well, <laughs> it's because you have some weaknesses here and here and here. And so it's just, a, it's a, it's a slightly different approach yeah. to the way that the rosters are being built. And that's why I think it's going to take them longer. Yeah. And, and listen, their secondary also has a lot of question marks. It's young, but it takes a while for, for those guys to develop sometimes. And so Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker looks pretty good, but then you look at like, I don't know, Jalen Johnson has been okay. Kyler Gordon has been okay. You're going to need a lot of these guys to take a big step. Tyreek Stevenson, I know they drafted as well. So we'll see on them. They're, they're still, they're just, they're a really young team. And as we learned, especially young players in the secondary, who knows better than Lions fans, that's going to result in a lot of miscommunication. That's going to result in a lot of mistakes. Defensively, I think it's where this team is going to very, very much struggle. And And again, in order to compensate for that, their offense is going to have to take a pretty big jump. And that's not something that we've seen that they're capable of yet. So still, I think the Vikings are worse. Well, (laughs) the Bears secondary, just to, I guess, talk about how young they are. And they're like 10, and they're too deep. So of their 10 10 players, um, 60% of them are either rookies or first-year guys. Yeah. Like they're all in their first or second, like they're, they're young, young and, and, and the veterans that they have, Eddie, Eddie's your oldest, yep. right. And he's, yeah. he's a safety. And, and, I, and this is a lot of like what we talked about in the first segment is who's your leader to teach these young guys at corner. And if you don't have that leader, 
no matter how talented those corners are, they will struggle to develop without some veteran guidance. Yep. That could be a problem that they're going to face. For sure. That's enough talking about the Bears. Uh, We're going to close things out there, though. Uh, Thank you all to listening. Uh, We will, like I said uh, before, we will have a first bite talking about Broderick Martin. Uh, We're going to actually record it the same day as this, but it will be on the podcast feed a little bit later in the week. Uh, And then uh, maybe... We'll, we'll jump on and talk OTAs, but uh, it'll probably be a pretty quiet weekend on the uh, on the podcast feed. So we appreciate you all listening. If you want again, if you want to join our live mailbags, join us on Wednesday morning slash afternoon. Follow us on Twitch and on Twitter to get exact times for that. But until then, for Eric, for myself, Jeremy Reisman, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>